Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today welcome to all around sports with john inglesby john's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players former players commissioners and owners john and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports now let's talk all around sports here's your host john inglesby where's america listeners welcome to the 104th ever show of all around sports Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always... I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, in a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week and the event of the week that I attended is the Bruins' epic double overtime victory the other night over the Pittsburgh Penguins. It was uh, an all-timer for me personally for... Sports events that I've attended, I'd put it, have to put it on my top ten list at this point in time. Uh, and just uh, wonderful theater. I mean, the electricity in the garden that night was absolutely off the charts. But what really set it apart were two just surreal moments, uh, you know, one of which I had never truly witnessed in person, which, of course, was uh, Gregory Campbell's broken leg. Uh, my seats were behind the goal, where the Penguins goal, where the Bruins goalie was for that period, and so we were watching Campbell from behind. It was absolutely, you know, riveting, to say the least. I mean, the entire garden obviously knew he was severely injured, but nobody knew why. Personally, I thought it was a separated shoulder because he was uh, holding his stick with one hand. And you just, you, you know, you really didn't know, being there live, exactly what had happened to create the injury. And we certainly didn't know it was a break, broken leg. And, again, it was among the most unique 50 seconds or so that I've ever seen in person at a sports event. It was... Uh, you know, the entire garden was just in a bit of shock w- witnessing it. Uh, it certainly raised the question of what constitutes stoppage in hockey. And I certainly realized that, you know, it's not easily done because if they stopped play for injuries, there would be a lot of fake injuries when there was pressure on the goalie. So it was just an incredible scene uh, as it went on and on, it's seemingly in slow motion, the place just started going crazier and crazier, and all in all, just uh, incredibly inspirational 
moment that certainly reflected the uh, Bruins' inspirational run since they basically uh, came back from the brink, down three with 11 minutes to go in Game 7 against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Ever since then, they've basically been unbeatable. And that just leads to my very next point, which is simply that, to me, this is all about the Bruins just on an absolute roll versus the Penguins playing terribly. Granted, the Penguins are having brain locks like we've never seen and didn't think possible. Crosby and Malkin have zero, repeat, zero points so far in the series. Uh, Crosby, the best player in the world. Malkin, top five, easy. So that's been incredible to see, and they're just making horrible decisions and playing really badly. But they did show up the other night for the double OT game. And, uh, and you know, so they, they still have some heart left. And we in Boston being experts on the psychology of having a 3-0 lead or being down 0-3 for that matter. Think Yankees, Red Sox 0-4. Up, up 3-0, think Bruins, this Bruins team. Uh, Flyers uh, in 2010. So, although everybody feels as good as you can possibly feel, obviously the way the Bruins are playing uh, here in Boston, you know, there's a distinct belief amid the euphoria, shall we say, that, you know, they lose tonight, then it's back to Pittsburgh for game five. You got to assume. Bruins take any momentum from a victory tonight into a game five at home. They win that and then just enormous pressure on the Bruins back here for game six. If there is a game seven, obviously it would be in, uh, in Pittsburgh. So this is how people in Boston now think ever since, you know, the Bruins gave it up three Oh lead against the flyers. Uh, not to mention they also were leading game seven, three to nothing. So three Oh has, uh, Makes people nervous up here. There's no other way to say it. And uh, But realistically, I, I, it looks like the Bruins have them. They're just, again, playing so well. And the Bruins or, and the Penguins seem to be playing so badly. It's almost like the perfect storm for Bruins fans. The other surreal moment from the other night, uh, again, we were sitting right behind the goalie was the first goal scored by David Krejci, yet again, like in 2011. He is again now the leading scorer in the entire NHL for the postseason. He is special. I've talked about him many times. I've met him a few times in the locker room and at a golf course. Nicest guy in the world. I'm a huge fan. But when he got that puck behind the net just a minute or two into the game, and almost like the Campbell injury, it just seemed to be in slow motion where he was doing some stick handling behind the net, starts moving to his right, and shockingly, nobody, no penguin moved out near him, and he just kept moving, 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 getting a better and better angle. And then in just uh, absolute split second, he flicked a wrist shot past the goalie, one nothing Bruins, a key, key goal, even though the Penguins later tied it up. But the Bruins getting that first goal just... Yet again, set the tone, and again, it was just an incredible, surreal moment to watch as Krejci just moved, almost seemingly taking like baby steps, again, seeming like slow motion when you were there in the arena in the garden, and uh, it was just an incredible visual. And uh, so, again, 
epic event, one of the best I've ever attended. Uh, game went after midnight. There was close to 100 minutes of hockey. So very, very special. Overtime hockey in the playoffs is the, simply the best thing in sports. The only thing missing from this game is simply that it wasn't a Game 7 or a, an elimination game. Uh, other than that, it, it's just as good as it gets. And uh, so, Game 4 tonight in Boston should be uh, something pretty special. My low light of the week, switching sports, was Indiana Pacer Roy Hibbert uh, capping off a really tough couple of days for him by walking off the court at the end of Game 7 in Miami on Monday night without shaking hands with anybody. I just thought, you know... Following his slurs on Saturday night after Game 6 in Indianapolis, where rather than spending time preparing and watching film for Game 7 and having his head right, he had to just basically, you know, respond and apologize and, you know, deal with that. Uh, it, it, it apparently wasn't humbling enough because to see him walk off without shaking hands after that fabulous, fabulous physical series of which he was just immense. Uh, you know, he signaled his arrival as an NBA star with that series, but ended on a bad note. So I was just very disappointed. He's a Georgetown guy, smart guy, and just thought, you know, I, I, I was just surprised to see it. And uh, so that, for obvious reasons, was my low light of the week. And sticking with basketball, my bizarre story of the week is Coach of the Year George Carl from the Denver Nuggets being fired yesterday, uh, just a couple of days after being named Coach of the Year. Uh, it just is unbelievable to me. I mean, I had to quickly wonder, you know, has, has this ever happened before? Coach of the Year fired within literally 48, 72 hours or whatever of uh, being named Coach of the Year. And if it has happened before, it had happened this quickly. Um, so, you know, the Nuggets, granted, they have not made enough noise in the playoffs. I'll be the first to admit that. But that said, they are in the playoffs every year. He is a great coach. He hasn't had a lot of stars, big-name stars since Carmelo Anthony. But looking back, I think the Nuggets would call that a good trade. And I just... Uh, you know, if I'm if I own a team, you know, and I have a guy who you know is producing winning records every year, playoffs are pretty much a lock. Um, yeah, I'm keeping the guy, to say the least. And just to, just in closing, uh, can't let the first segment close without just simply talking quickly about Tony Parker. <laughs> Uh, and how good he is. There's just no other way to say it. I, I just didn't realize how good he is. There was a game a couple months ago that I watched, and I was just, like, blown away by how he controls the game, how fast he is, how good he has become. And obviously, uh, it's been peaking during this playoffs, and then last night he made, you know, a shot for the ages. You know, he basically controlled the ball for most of the 24 seconds at the end of that game against the Heat, Game one of the NBA Finals, fell to the floor, got up, and a split second max before 
the shot clock went off with about five seconds ago in the game. He, you know, banks in uh, a nearly impossible shot after just literally rising from his feet, kept his dribble while he was falling down. So just incredible stuff. Uh, this, uh, we're going to be seeing this shot for a while. This is going to be famous, especially if the Spurs uh, use that as a springboard to win the NBA championship. Uh, certainly off to a good start, winning game one in Miami. Looks like the rest versus rust argument uh, is going to have to fall on the side of rest for uh, for now. So with that said, it's uh, and as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from outside the huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about, either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go? You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, John. A little bit of rain outside, but that's fine. We're a little bit drier lately, so we need some. Absolutely. Well, I think we're getting the uh, remnants. We're getting it here in Boston as well of uh, Tropical Storm Andrea. So uh, 
They're calling for a pretty intense evening here in Boston with weather, so I think it's going to uh, uh, be a little wet for Bruins fans walking to the Garden tonight. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, as I said at the beginning of the show, I was at the game the other night, the double overtime game, and uh, uh, an all-timer for me for sporting events that I've attended in person. It was really a special, special night, and uh, and I say that only because, you know, I'm just thinking about when walking to the garden past all the restaurants and bars and everything is just an electric experience that will be, a, again, a, a little wet tonight, but it, won't, it definitely will not put a damper on anything. The enthusiasm here is just so high, but, uh, but nonetheless, it was... Nicer walk in there the other night when it was uh, 70 degrees and uh, the place, uh, again, the streets leading into the garden were just uh, electric, to say the least. Oh, yeah, those are vibrant people up there. A little rain won't bother them. Oh, gosh, no. Oh, gosh, no. But, you know, lots of hockey going on, but there's also uh, the NBA Finals going on. Uh, I know you watched last night, as did I, and I... You know, ended the first segment talking about what a spectacular player Tony Parker has become. And I would have to say that last night, even though he's won a championship, uh, you know, last night he was the man. And he certainly showed that he was the man at the end when he literally controlled the ball for the practically the entire 24-second clock with, you know, 30 seconds to go in the game and... Then they're showing footage this morning, uh, you know, of him basically running the timeout there instead of Pop, Greg Popovich, the coach. And so, I mean, he, he's arrived. He, he almost seems like, you know, Popovich clearly has 100% trust in Tim Duncan, built over a decade plus. It seems like that trust is now transferred to Tony Parker based on what I saw in that last minute last night, including the timeout. Yeah, he's a true point guard now with those combo skills. He can shoot off the dribble. He's so crafty and clever with the ball and those spin moves, and he throws it high up off the glass, and he, he seems unfazed by the taller players when he gets into that paint, and he's he's very quick and, and nifty, you know, nimble with his with his feet. So he's a delight to watch, and as you say, he's taken over that role of being the leader, and Tim Duncan can just sit back and, and, t- and take his cues from the, the man from France. Exactly. It's uh, And you mentioned the spin move. I mean, that again, you know, obviously the game-winning shot will be a forever highlight, but that spin move was pretty special in and of itself, too. I mean, that was just put his athletic ability on full display all in, you know, one move. It, it was just incredible. Yeah, and he had the, uh, the 10 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, those are what superstars do when the game is on the line. Uh, John, when I was looking at that game last night, something that really stood out to me was the fact that they held uh, the big fellow LeBron James and Dwayne Wade to just six points, and Wade was shut out. And it was a 16-point quarter by the Heat, and it's very difficult to win in the NBA, any any NBA game when you have a 16-point fourth quarter. Correct, with a few turnovers to boot, to say the least. At one point, deep in the fourth quarter, maybe five minutes to go, I believe they had more turnovers than baskets made in the fourth quarter, which is, you know, you're not going to win an NBA Finals game with that statistic. Uh, But you're absolutely right. 
you know, uh, the Spurs came as close as is humanly possible to containing LeBron James uh, plus plus D Wade. That's and that's all you can do with James is containing him. Stopping him is no longer an option. That's for sure. No, no, yeah, they ran it. They have enough bodies they can run in and out and slow him down. He didn't get into the paint as much and caused as much difficulty for you know the Spurs and. Um, San Antonio, I mean, they, they scored their 40 points in the paint to 34 versus Miami. So they were on the plus side in that area, which is big in my mind. I'm always looking for points in the paint because it means you're getting easier opportunities and you have a better chance to win. In the big three from San Antonio, they had 54 versus 48 of the, of the supposedly big three of Miami. I'm, I tend to call maybe the, the, two, the big two and a half because I'm not – sold on Bosch myself. You know, some people may be, I'm not. Correct. No, Bosch is uh, a good player, no question. Um, But, you you know, and frankly, you know, last year when the Celtics seemed to have the upper hand in the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, they no longer had the upper hand when Bosch finally returned for, I believe, six and seven in that game. And uh, so... But you you just can't count on them, you know. I I think, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get from night to night, which is not a formula for success, and not necessarily, you know, putting you puts you in that quote big three category. Big three. What I think big three. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I I said, John. I don't think so. I mean, some people may have them in that category, but I have yet to be uh, converted. Yes. Uh, again, when I think big three, I, I, I instantly think, you know, obviously superstar that you can just count on night in, night out. You know what you're going to get. And with Bosch, you know, especially on the heels of the Indiana series, it's, it's just not there. It's just a little too spotty. And, you know, uh, you know, to go up against Hibbert and David West and now Tim Duncan, need I say more? I mean... He's got his hands full, and bottom line, he, he really isn't a center as much as a power forward, the same way that Tim Duncan is more a power forward than a center. I mean, it's really that simple. I mean, Bosch is not bulky. I mean, no. Hibbert's a center. Bosch is not. No, no. And, and John, he, like, for instance, last night he took 16 shots. Four of those were from the three-point line. So that's 25% of his offense was attempted from uh, outside the arc. And uh, my big man, he's got to be down in the paint. He's got to be drawing fouls. I mean, two free throws for the entire night, that's just not enough. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And he is, for seven foot one guy, he's as good a uh, three-point shooter as you'll find. But, again, that's not, gonna, that's not the game you're looking for from your seven-footer when you have to deal with, you know, Hibbert and Tim Duncan. It just isn't. Uh... So, yeah, it's uh... – you know, it was interesting to watch, you know, the the, the famous rest versus rust uh, argument. I, I mean, we go back and forth depending on the outcome of various games. But uh, in this case, clearly, you know, with the Spurs, I mean, Greg Popovich himself rests players, i.e. doesn't take them on road trips to places like Miami. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, there was never any part of me that was even giving any consideration to the rest 
potentially hurting the Spurs. They had nine days off. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, but never in a million years. I, I knew it was just what they needed, just what the doctor ordered for that team. You, the Dodger couldn't have wrote a better prescription, right, John? Exactly. Well said. Perfectly said, AP. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, the, if, if there's any team in sports, in all of sports, that you that any sports fan would instantly say, yeah, that team can never get enough rest, it's the San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, again, I, I was just a little baffled by, you know, the amount of airplay that topic was given. I, I understand it in many other cases, but not in this one. Not at all. So, uh, so yeah, game two, uh, Sunday night obviously takes on an entire, uh, different flavor. I mean, you know, he have to win, period. That's it. There's no other way of saying it. They have to win that game. I tend to agree with you on that one, John. I think during the regular season, they played twice and they won on each other's court. But I, I think at this point, Miami being very, wise for them to win on Sunday because I don't I don't see them uh you know doing anything in San Antonio if they're down to, you know by two games I I just think it's be too difficult San Antonio playing at home and and Tim Duncan he's hungry they haven't been there in a while and he wants to get another one because I think he stated last night this may be his last chance he really Correct. frank in his comments Correct, and you know, and, I, and I'm rooting for them. I mean, as, as I said at the end of last week's show, I mean, a couple of things. Uh, you know, I've spent significant time in San Antonio the last two years working at the U.S. Army All-American Bowl, so I've drawing basketball season, of course, first week of January. So I've really gotten the flavor of, you know, what the Spurs mean to that city. You know, it's their only major league franchise, obviously, and. It's just huge. I mean, that is like a source. They, that team is a source of civic pride. So they're just the support is just off the charts. It's a hundred percent all in the entire population. So it's really, you know, I mean, to say if the Spurs go up two zero, to say the Heat are going into a quote a buzzsaw atmosphere is really an understatement. I mean, San Antonio may not be a large metropolis, but they would support their team better than more populated cities will. It'll seem that way because they're the only game in town. Oh, it'll be electric, uh, you know, when they get to San Antonio. And then that's the old ABA team, John. So that's <laughs> yes. a little, little pride right. there from years ago. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, so it's just going to be, uh, you know, wonderful to see. And then just to close this segment on what we closed the show with last week, I believe, was just, you know, I think a big driving factor with the Spurs, particularly, you know, Popovich and Duncan is exactly like what's going on with the Patriots, like, you know, Dynasty in the early days of their superstar, be it, you know, Tim Duncan or in this case, Tom Brady, when mm -hmm. multiple championships remain relevant. And in fact, in both cases, they are the best organization in their league over the course of the last decade plus yet. To really, really be fulfilled, you know, and I believe Popovich and Duncan and Belichick and Brady would be the first to say this in an honest moment, uh, you know, to be fulfilled and close out their careers uh, with the exclamation point, they need to win championships. So the, obviously the Spurs are only three games away from that now. Yeah, it'd be the perfect moment for that pair, Pop Popovich and uh, Tim Duncan, in the, the game that... Uh 
a lot of time you're watching the Spurs play and you're saying, who are those guys? You know, like the Correct. Cassidy and Sundance kid moment. But they, they get it done. He gets them from the foreign countries and little used or known college players, and he molds that team and everyone does their job. And, and you don't see much, uh, you know, discourse on that with that group. Oh, gosh, no, no. I mean, Pop is uh, an intimidating figure, to say the least. I mean, I was surprised the announcers let it slide, but in that final sequence, uh, I think it was before Parker, you know, Parker, the Parker procession, we'll call it, Pop was going crazy running up and down the sidelines. I mean, that, that was just extreme. It might have been Danny Green's foul, but it was in the last minute. Uh, more so than I can ever remember him seeing, because he doesn't need to do much. He just needs to look at you and he'll get your attention with a yeah, look. Yeah, he, he doesn't seem like a, a <laughs> you know, whiner. Histrionics and stuff, yeah. Doesn't seem to be. So the officials probably, know they know his reputation, so if he objects to something, it, something must have happened out there. Oh, yeah, he and Belichick are, you know, brothers. You know, coaching brothers in their style and their personality in every way. They're so similar. <laughs> Uh, they, they even have, both have sort of, you know, what I'll call like a military background. Pop was in the Air Force, of course, <laughs> um, and his, you know, and Belichick obviously grew up in Annapolis, where his father was a scout and coach for Navy for 50 years. So those influences uh, stick with you for life. But uh, anyway, Sunday night, that is going to be fun. Game two in Miami, Spurs heat. It'll be awesome. So with that said, AP, uh, time for our break, and we'll talk about some other hot topics in sports on the other side. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune in to Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented to you by Outdoor Channel. On this week's program, we'll have Gary Hamby from Deer Dirt and outdoor writer Scott Bestial, and he'll tell us how to use chainsaws for deer management. Hey, we also have another outdoor writer, David Hart and Brent Eaton with Polaris. I love Polaris. When we talk about food plots and deer management. And as always, it's brought to you by Outdoor Channel and Ram Trucks. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And still on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., uh, we spent a little time last week discussing former Ohio State President Gordon Gee. Well, he'll, he'll be president for another three weeks. But, uh, but in the... Uh, since that time last Friday, he has since retired in the wake of his comments, uh, derogatory comments against both Notre Dame and Catholics, and as well as the SEC and their academics. And uh, I guess that was the final straw because he's retiring, but I think we all know uh, uh, it was time for him to go. Yeah, John, he went overboard with his remarks in that cup. You know, my cup runneth over with verbal jabs. He just went one too many, you know, and then throw Louisville in there as well. So it was about time for him to move on. And and in the aftermath of all those remarks, he's he's going to be retiring. So he kind of brought it on himself. And there's nothing you can do about it once that those comments are remade, already made. I don't think he even his apologies would. You know, you can retract those comments, and they're still in the minds of people. Yeah, I mean, he, he again, he's well-known, as we discussed last week, for, you know, uh, just, just every couple of years, shall we say, just, you know, popping off with comments that are, you know, often uh, distasteful. And, you know, he has a long track record of this. And, you know, he's the head of, you know, along with Texas, one of the two <laughs> highest profile, or shall we say biggest, as in money, athletic departments in the country, along with the University of Texas. I mean, Ohio State and Texas are one, two, I believe. Yeah, they're huge, and his, his remarks reverberate across the country when he speaks. Correct. That's exactly right, and obviously, you know, with the Big Ten and just everything, you know, the Terrell Pryor-Jim Trussell scandal a couple of years ago, I mean, Ohio State... You you can't sit in, in, in his job and you know be controversial, uh, you know, from time to time. You just can't. And uh, again, you know, he's and he's he's very distinctive. Like you remember him because of the bow tie, his trademark bow tie. He, you know, he has the classic stereotypical academic look of a college president. He really does. He's a total Ivy League look. <laughs> So, I mean, again, you, you just remember his name is even unique. So it's just, it's not like, you know, an obscure college president makes a remark or even has a track record of making, you know, offensive remarks or controversial remarks. You know, going back to some point in time when he started making these, you remember them. You just do. Because he made them. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's out of central casting with the bow tie. <laughs> and, I mean... <laughs> And if you want to put all his comments in there, it'd be a couple pages. This is just the latest. Correct. And, you know, I mean, we can just wrap up, wrap it up by saying, you know, 
Any sports fan knows the name instantly, Gordon Gee, and you can't say that about too many college presidents in America, <laughs> period. But every sports fan knows his name pretty much instantly, you know, and not, and not, and for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah, exactly, John. Well, that'll be interesting. I mean, you know, Ohio State, let's face it, you, you know, I'm a big believer that things like this indeed have effects. And as we discussed again last week, Ohio State is clearly right there with Alabama as, you know, uh, a favorite to win the national championship. Obviously, we're on probation, uh, but went undefeated last year under Urban Meyer. You and I predicted, you especially said, you know, that, that's your pick for the national championship game, Alabama-Ohio State. And I, I agree wholeheartedly, but, you know, again, when president of the university changes under these circumstances there will be a ripple effect that will could could potentially find its way down to you know the college you know the program level with urban meyer no doubt about it oh yeah it affects everyone in the university it's embarrassing and i'm sure they're glad to be uh you know this situation will be cleared up but uh it'll linger for a while exactly that's exactly right and uh so we shall see. It's going to be interesting. I mean, it's just always something. Uh, you know, other stories from the world of college football, of which you are an expert, college sports in general, is, of course, uh, Notre Dame. Not only, you know, obviously the Everett Golson not, not attending school this upcoming year, i.e. the freshman quarterback that took him to the national championship game. Very talented, to say the least. Uh, but anyway, Brian Kelly, who a week or two ago said uh, it would be an open competition with three or so others, uh, the other day just named Tommy Reese, who has previously been the starter, as his starter for the upcoming year. So uh, no quarterback controversy coming there for now, at least. No, he's he's the one with all the experience, and not many people could call on a a backup quarterback, I think, with an 18 and four record as a starter and thrown over 4,000 yards, so he'll have his chance. And the offensive line last year with Everett Golson, the freshman at the helm, he he preserved the the reputation a little bit because he was able to scramble. Correct. But, so Bingo. this year might have to look for them to you know hold in some backs to protect the quarterback, and Reese will just have to use his experience and get rid of the ball quicker. But he's he's the name starter right now, and, and I think Brian Kelly had a motive to name Reese because he's taking some of the pressure maybe off of the freshman that's coming from Ohio, uh, Malik Zier, out of Kettering, Ohio. He's a dual threat quarterback, you know, waiting in the name? wings. So that maybe been you know been his motivation. Um, they also have another guy, uh, Hendricks, Andrew Hendricks, who hasn't played very much. He's a senior. It has a you know about six two two thirty you know good sized quarterback they can run, but uh, I, and I think at some point you're going to see all three of those guys play this year for different reasons. Correct. Now, what's the name of this freshman quarterback again? Um, AP? Malik Zier, uh, Zier, uh, Z-A-I-R-E, out of Kettering, Ohio. He's a left-hander, about okay. six one hundred ninety pounds. All right. And he, he enrolled in January, John, and he has a, a fairly good maturity level, according to Coach Kelly. Uh, he was really impressed with his understanding of the coverages and rotations uh, that he displayed during the spring. But he's not, he's not a real polished passer, 
So that's something he's going to have to work on uh, during the summertime. But he's going to get his chance, I'm sure, because Reese can run that spread offense, but he doesn't have the mobility of somebody like uh, Malik Zare and uh, Andrew Hendricks. So uh, I think this season you'll see all three of those guys rotated. And, you know, for instance, Hendricks, uh, the last three years when Brian Kelly was the coach at Notre Dame, they were not very good in the red zone. So maybe they'll put in a package for him, you know, good solid size and can move and can run. You know, he had a 78-yard run uh, at Notre Dame as a quarterback. That's a long way to run the ball for a quarterback so you know he can move. Absolutely. Uh, wow. Well, so sir, so we're talking a, a serious top recruit with this quarterback from Ohio, obviously. I mean, if you're the Notre Dame quarterback, you're a serious top recruit. It goes without saying. Yeah, there was probably a good – a good probability that he might have been redshirted this year. But I don't think you can afford to redshirt him, John, because if Everett Golson doesn't come back, you won't have any experience at the position. Right. So exactly. I, I think you have to play him this year, but you, you can't take that pressure off him, which Kelly did by naming Reese as the starter. Well, and let's not forget that Reese, you know, you know, you know, was really, you know, former starter. D- did have, you know, a little problem with the police there uh, a year or two ago, and you know, um, but he became kind of known for, you know, being like a sixth man off the bench in basketball, where he was coming into some games and pulling them out. So yeah. really, kind of established a name for himself as that player. Yeah, he came off the bench. I think three or four games, and right. you know, helped him get to that championship. Totally. With goals. And so he's he's a proven commodity. And, you know, sometimes, John, when you thrust people into that type of position and everything is put on your, their shoulders, they'll perform. So we'll see what happens. He's going into his last year, and and he's going to be given every, every opportunity to continue the rebuilding at Notre Dame. Well, it should be interesting. And speaking of quarterbacks from Ohio, Gunnar Keel. You, what is his status? He was at Notre Dame. I think he had signed with LSU, then transferred to Notre Dame. Now he's transferred out. And I saw him, by the way, at the U.S. Army All-American Bowl two years ago. Uh, he played. He was he was the star. Of, he was the number one headliner of that game that day. Yeah. Yeah, John, what, what, what's the latest a, on him? Yeah, he was a highly recruited quarterback. You know, and his uncle was Blair Keel. Right, former Notre, Notre Dame, Dame quarterback. About 1980 or so. Yep. And yep. he... It was a, a player that was always on the radar and, and in the news because he would be committing to different schools. Exactly. Okay. Okay. That's and that's good. what happened. You know, LSU, he he came down to Alabama two or three times with his parents and okay. almost went there, but he finally signed with Notre Dame and, you know, wasn't happy with the situation. You know, Golson played ahead of him. And so, so he suited this, up for Notre Dame last year. Yeah, Notre he Dame was, last year. He was right. in uniform. Yeah, in uniform, yeah. Uh, and he was, I don't okay. believe he uh, was on the field. I don't think he, he you know, played. He was redshirted. For, I don't okay. think he was on the field. Got but, it. But anyway, so when he was there, he wasn't satisfied. Ends up transferring right before all this breaks about Golson. So he went like, over to like Cincinnati. Like three weeks ago. And he's there right now, and people have speculated that maybe he might come back. But he, he informed everyone he's staying at Cincinnati with Tommy Tuberville. So, and but, and not and, and coincidentally, Brian Kelly's former job before he took went to Notre Dame, obviously. Right, right. But uh, John, when you saw him down there, did you have a strong opinion of him? Any, either way, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, by the time kickoff arrived to that game, no question, I was not alone. The player I most wanted to see, the one who had gotten the most publicity all week long in San Antonio, by far was Gunnar Keel. And, you know, by the time you walk into the Alamo Dome for kickoff, he is was absolutely the player I most wanted to see, just in the way that, you know, Henry, the running back from Alabama, going yeah. to Alabama, was the, quarter, was the player I most wanted to see this past January. Uh, yeah. No, he, he was the dominant figure of that game. He had a good game. You know, all-star games are always a little tricky to judge, but he, he you know, I'm watching him thinking, okay, yeah, this this guy clearly has the goods that I may be seeing, uh, you know, one of the next great college quarterbacks. I was excited. Yeah, so, he's a big-time quarterback. Big-time. You know, all the coaches around the country were interested in him coming to their school, and he chose Notre Dame, and, you know, it was a kind of a legacy there, you know, with his uncle. Of course, of course. It, you know, and it didn't, it didn't work out. And in this day and age, there's a quick trigger, John. There is, you know, and just real quickly in closing, as we end this segment, uh, I thought it was pretty interesting as well with uh, the player from California that Notre Dame would not let out of their his letter of commitment. He's a high school player, senior, of course. He, the kid decided he wanted to go to UCLA and just all the all again this week and Notre Dame will not allow him out of his letter of intent. Therefore, he has to sit out. Uh, a year, uh, a year that he will not recover. So he will now only play college ball for three years. So I thought that was pretty interesting stuff this week. Yeah, that was. It surely was, Sean. I was surprised. He he was another big-time recruit sought after by schools around the country. And, you know, why he jilted Notre Dame, I'm not exactly sure. Maybe he just had second thoughts about leaving the state. And UCLA is on the rise with Jim Mora, so junior, so. You know, those things happen. But Notre Dame stuck to their their guns and decided not to let him out of his, you know, commitment. Exactly. Uh, pretty fascinating story. I wonder where, you know, it's always interesting to observe trends, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is the start of a trend where colleges are not going to let these kids out of their commitments, uh, you know, going forward. Uh, we shall see. But that said, uh Time for our final break, and we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit more sports uh, on the other side. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports 
You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., uh, before we def- depart the college sports scene, uh, Sports Illustrated came out yesterday, at least I received it yesterday, uh, with an interesting article on, you know, how the size of coaching staffs has just risen so dramatically in college football and they feature no surprise Alabama football Nick Saban and uh there's 24 uh support they call it the support roster at the <laughs> University of Alabama I mean it is you know this is something we've all seen you know everybody's heard about you know the tone of the article is you know what what are requirements now for big time college football and you know we all know about training facilities and all that and luxury suites and stadiums, the whole bit. But what this article is now saying is is of rising importance, and we've seen it on the sidelines, is the amount of coaches, support personnel, staff, if you will, supporting the head coach. Yeah, Nick Saban, he's always looking for the advantage, John. And there was some NCAA legislation about being able to make uh, an unlimited amount of phone calls and text messages. So he got on board with that very quickly, and I think even Mac Brown was following his lead by hiring extra staff members. So, you know, he ha- has all the bases covered, and he hired, I mean, he hired some top-notch people, guys who've been, you know, defensive coordinators and good coaches elsewhere, had been with the program a time or two before. So Nick Saban, there's you can't let anything slip by him. He's always looking to improve his product. That's the main goal that he has. How can I improve my product, which is my football team? Yes, well, you know, I view, and many others do, obviously, he, he just seems a step ahead and a little smarter right now than the rest of, you know, uh, the college football world and you know he's a Belichick disciple as we know and it's just sort of like Belichick who always just seems you know a little smarter and a step ahead and clearly that's Saban I mean he, he clearly has sees this new role and is out in front of you know maximizing its advantage for Alabama football good for him <laughs> I applaud that oh yeah he's on the cutting edge there's no question about it John and, and all the other staffs around the country they're checking out what Nick Saban is, is into these days. Well, and just to reiterate, you know, uh, we're looking at, uh, you know, college football dynasty here. They have won three of the last four national championships, correct? Yes, they sure have. Okay. I mean, they look like another powerhouse team. Obviously their quarterback, uh, is returning AJ McCarron and, you know, I mentioned earlier, it's Derrick Henry, uh, like the all-time leading rusher in the history of the state of Florida, as in broke Emmett Smith's record, is coming in as a freshman. I watched him. He is a load. Uh, so, I mean, you know, I have every reason to expect Alabama is going to be, uh, you know, the favorite to win the national championship game uh, this year. And, yeah, I mean, they're already in rarefied air, but 
if you're talking four out of five, you're starting to talk, you know, Oklahoma 47 game winning streak, stuff like that. I mean, legendary. Yeah, there's, I don't think I've ever, I mean, I've never seen this, so they have a chance to win three in a row. I don't, I think maybe oh, yeah, three in a row. An, an Army or Notre Dame or somebody might have done that in the 40s, but nobody's won three in a row, especially the BCS. Nobody can do it now because there's only one year left of the BCS. Correct, right. The, uh, you, you know, it's like a a, a 99-yard punt return. You're, it can't be broken. It can only be tied, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so it, it is really just going to, you know, it's fun. It's good for college football. I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, when Notre Dame's good, good for college football. When the Yankees are good, good for baseball. When the Celtics and Lakers are good, good for basketball. I, I'm, you know, and I think you're seeing it right now in hockey with, you know, the Bruins and the Chicago Blackhawks. It's good. It's good stuff. Oh, yeah. I love this. Yeah. You know, the there's, there's brand names. For people to, to aim, aim to defeat and, and overcome. Right. Well, bottom line, it draws eyeballs. You may love them or you may hate them, but you're going to watch. And that's really, at the end of the day, what is most important for sports Absolutely. are people watching. And uh, Dallas Cowboys being another one, of course. Um, well, just switching sports, something we haven't talked about but we both love, is golf. And I have the uh, honor of heading down to Philadelphia next week to cover the U.S. Open at storied Marion Golf Course Country Club uh, on Philly's main line. And uh, I just can't wait. And, you know, when I first realized I was going, of course, I was thinking, and still am, history, if Tiger Woods can win his first major in about five years since, of course, that famous Thanksgiving night. So, But then Tiger literally imploded this past weekend, as we all, all saw, like worst round in his career, tied for it or whatever, and uh, ate over. I mean, he looked like me. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's not good, right, John? <laughs> that is not good at all on a golf course, trust me. Or, and uh, So, uh, it, let's face it, it's all about Tiger. We all know that these days. Uh, especially since he, his season got off to such a spectacular start, four victories already. So what do you think? I mean, you know, again, he's off to his best start ever for a season, four victories, but yet he had his worst round less than a week ago. I mean, yeah. how do you think it plays out? Yeah, you know, John, I, he's going to be one of the favorites, nevertheless, for sure. even though he played poorly. And that's an old course, uh, and it's a tight course, so – you're looking for some ball ball strikers to win, I would think. So he he'd be among those that you can look forward to being in the you know among the leaders, and uh, you know the guys who spray it around the course, maybe like a Bubba Watson or something. You just don't know what's going to happen down there in that type of environment. Yeah, well, one of the first things that came to mind, especially since last night, uh, I was reading up, getting ready, and. Uh, you, you know, we are talking uh, ribbon-thin fairways here, and uh, there, you, you know, experts are saying, you know, that a lot of the players literally won't be using their driver more than three or four holes. But what that makes me think of, since Tiger has some trouble during his remade swing, which is, I think, the third or fourth of his career, I mean, he's played a couple of championships without 
pulling his driver out, if I'm not mistaken, in the last year or two. So this may end up being to his advantage, despite the fact that when you think of Tiger, you think of, obviously, you know, uh, just killing it with the driver. So, but the... You know, he, he knows how to play play without a driver. Like on, I think it was the British Open, he played without a driver. Oh, oh yeah, I, I think he's he's going to be charging. You know, all charged up for that event, and I, I look for him to do good things. I don't know if he'll win it, but he'll he'll be in there. It'll be interesting. I myself uh, believe that Tiger, being Tiger, will turn last weekend's heavy-duty negative into a big-time positive, uh, you know, and we shall see. So, AP, thanks for joining us. Voice America listeners, thank you again for listening in. We'll do it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.